Well, happy Advent, everyone. Uh, Advent's always an especially powerful season for me because it's a season of waiting. And I hate waiting. I hate waiting for people. I hate waiting at stop signs. I hate waiting at the doctor's office, which is a double wait, right? Because they make you wait first in the office and then they call you in. They make you wait longer once you're in there before the doctor comes. But waiting is an integral part of life. And so we shouldn't be surprised that waiting is also an integral part of our faith. And Jesus is very clear that as we wait, we watch, we're vigilant. And what are we waiting for? Well, we're waiting for the arrival of Jesus. Advent means arrival, right? And there are, I would say, three different advents of Jesus. You have the the initial advent of the incarnation, Jesus coming to mankind some 2,000 years ago. Then at the very end, you have the final advent, which is the second coming. But in between that, you have billions of advents in your life and in my life. And I think that these are the ones that we tend to miss, I mean, if I asked you right now, have you met Jesus? You don't have to raise your hands or anything. I'm just thinking about it. Have you met him? Have you encountered him? <clears throat> How would you answer that question? <clears throat> because when you're waiting for something, without having the proper knowledge of what you're waiting for, or the proper disposition of waiting, you're going to miss it when it comes. I'm going to give you an example from my own life. The Lord teaches me like crazy about the kingdom of God and about waiting through hunting. I experience this more and more every single year. But one of the ones that he did was like my second year of hunting. Because I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a bad hunter. I'm a lucky one. But I'm not a good one. And I, I didn't know much about deer hunting. I just knew I wanted to kill something. And so I was, that's why when I went out and I was like, I was with my buddy who was a deer hunter. I was like, let's do this. And so we got out there and it was like the second week. And I saw, it was getting close to sunset and I saw way off in the distance there was this animal <clears throat> sitting down there. And I like pulled up my scope and I'm like, I said, my buddy, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's a deer. And he's like, no way. We're talking like a thousand yards away. He's like, that's not a deer, that's a cow. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Well, let's just watch it because it's coming towards us. And the more it came closer and closer and closer, the more we're like, yeah, that's a deer. And the closer it got, we're like, that's a really big deer. And then I got even closer and I'm like, that's a huge deer. That's like the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. Giant, just a monster six by six. He's at like 400 yards. And I'm like, let me take him. I got him. And he's like, why would you shoot? He's coming right at us. Wait. So I'm like, okay, all right. <clears throat> he comes closer and closer. He's at like 150 yards. I'm like, can I shoot yet? And he's like, let him come. So I'm like, all right. Well, all of a sudden, right, as I'm about to pull the trigger, he turns. And he goes into this draw. <clears throat> and I was like, no! And he's like, chill out, Father. He's like, we're just going to belly crawl right up this hill. And he'll be looking right down on him. Easy shot. I'm like, all right. So we're belly crawling up this hill. Now, as we're, the deer is supposed to be going this way, but the the deer is going this way. So we are literally going up the hill together. When I get to the very top of the hill, now this is what I did not know about deer hunting. 
If a deer makes eye contact with you, you have about two seconds before it's gone. It will sit and look at you for a brief period of time. So I'm climbing up, climbing up, and I peek over, and there's a deer like 10 feet from me. This huge deer is looking at Now, I think I'm, sneaky. I'm more sneaky than the deer. So I duck down right away because I don't think he saw me. And I lean back, and my buddy's like, what's up? I'm like, he's right there. He's like, where? I'm like, like right there. He's like 10 feet from us. And he's like, we'll show him. <laughs> so I jump up, and this thing is long gone. Now, when they talk about hunting, you know, they talk about the huge rush that goes through you. When you kill the big deer, what they don't tell you is the sheer rage that wells up within the human heart when you miss. I, you guys, I played through this scene over and over and over. It wouldn't leave me to the point where I'm like, I think I need to stop hunting. I could not stop thinking about it. I couldn't sleep about all the things that I could have done different because I wasn't prepared. Finally, thank God the Lord spoke to me in Mass because I'm in Mass still thinking about killing deer. And he said, listen, if you're this mad about missing a stupid deer, Think about how mad you're going to be if you miss eternal life. That was it. That put it in total perspective. And it just faded away. So, first Sunday of Advent, my question to you is, how do you wait well in Advent? I want to give you three ways. That you wait well. Number one. Wait. (laughs) Pretty original, huh? Wait. Don't move to Christmas. You have like three and a half weeks of Advent, which is preparation. Wait. Don't put up a tree. Don't put up your lights. Don't put up decorations. And I know some of you have done that because all your heads are going down. If you've done that, turn them off. Don't turn them on yet. Just wait and receive these weeks of preparation. And what are these weeks all about? Number two, knowing who you truly are. How you wait well is you know who you truly are. And who you truly are, you and me, we're really quite pathetic. You and me are in some way or fashion addicted to sin. You and me got nothing on our own. We are losers. I mean that. We really are losers. You want to hear someone who truly knows who they are? Listen to the first reading from the prophet Isaiah. Behold, we are sinful. 
All of us have become like unclean people. All of our good deeds are like polluted rags. We have all withered like leaves and our guilt carries us away like the wind. That guy knows who he truly is. You and I must realize that we are held captive by sin. In some form or another. And and that we really cannot overcome it on our own. And why is this so important? Because until you realize that, you don't need him. This is why Christianity is so incompatible. It's so counterintuitive to the modern mind. Modern man denies sin. If you don't believe in sin, you have nothing to be saved from. And if that's true, we should all pack up shop and go home. It is only when you realize that you desperately need help and you are unable to attain it on your own that you will turn to someone else. It's only when you've tried every remedy in the book and it hasn't worked that you'll actually go to the doctor and listen to them. That's why they should call these buildings not churches, they should call them hospitals. Hospitals for the soul. If you know who you are, that you are broken, that you're a mess, that most of your choices and my choices in a given day are for us, not for others, then, then you need a Savior. The litmus test, I'm going to give you the, right? The litmus test of how well you know who you truly are is how often do you go to confession? Because if you never go to confession, you're perfect. You don't need to be here. You have reached the heights of sanctity. But if you're in line back there once a month, once every two months, it's because you get that you're broken and you admit it. And you need help. Finally, to wait well, not only do we need to wait, do we need to know who we truly are, but finally, and maybe most importantly, we need to know who he truly is. Again, listen to the prophet Isaiah. Lord, you are our Father. Our Redeemer, you are named forever. Any of you who are moms or dads, what you desire more than anything else for your children is their good. That you love them, you would die for them. Does that mean that they don't struggle, that they don't fail, that they don't suffer? No! Sometimes you got to let your kids suffer and fail so that they learn lessons. And God does that with us too. So does God want us to suffer? Not at all. What does he want? He wants us to realize that he is the most important thing in your life. Will he use sickness to do that? You bet he will. Will he use suffering to do that? You bet he will. Will he use failure to do that? You bet he will. He will do anything to save us. If that isn't evident, I don't know what is. And what is salvation? Salvation is, I'm done thinking about me. And I only care what he desires for me. So this Advent, stay and wait in these weeks. Go to confession to realize who you truly are. 
And above all else, realize that the mess, the mess that you and I are, with all of our sin, with all of our brokenness, that we are loved more than we can fathom. If you understand these three things, Advent will not just be a season. It will be a reality. Because you will see him everywhere.